Hello all you awesome, amazing, beautiful people of creation and welcome to the first episode of Unrighteously Righteous which is the newest extension or expansion of the Atonement series uh, which is actually an open, open discussion or open conversation format uh, presentation, I guess, so to speak, uh, which is actually in the format of a podcast. So I'm very excited about this, and this will likely be the final extension and expansion of the Atonement series. I can't see us going any further than all the projects we already have going, you know, with the main series, plus the quick fix, plus the reading, plus now the Unrighteously Righteous podcast which is so exciting. Uh, so I'm very excited to be able to be talking about, uh, you know, Bibles and scriptures in an open discussion, open conversation uh, format, which I think is really cool because I don't really know how many, uh, you know, scriptural or Bible uh, podcasts there are right now on the go. I haven't re really looked into it, but uh, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of them because podcasting is still relatively new and it's only now really starting to pick up a lot of traction. So I'm very excited to be, uh, you know, to be bringing the Bible to this format and to this type of platform of podcasting. Now, essentially, the Unrighteously Righteous podcast is actually going to be about uh, me answering uh, your questions, questions from people online uh, about the Bible. Uh, but uh, that's really what the, the podcast is going to be about as a whole, but not this episode specifically. In fact, this episode is actually titled Episode Zero because it's more like a prequel or a prelude leading into the main, in, uh, you know, leading into the podcast in which all the podcasts from here on out will be about me answering your questions from online uh, and all that stuff. But, uh, but this one specifically is basically going to be all about the origin of the Atonement series and how it came to be. Uh, how did it become, you know, three parts, you know, how, how you know, how did I go from being saved and then now all the way up to where we are today uh, and all that good stuff because I haven't really spoken about that ever, at least not publicly, and uh, I think it's really cool. I think it'd be cool to uh, share this story about the Atonement series and about the origin of the Atonement series and all of that good stuff, uh, and hopefully it will inspire you to do something as well and all of that good stuff. Uh, I will say that eventually, uh, actually very soon, probably over the course of the next three to four weeks, uh, I'll be concluding the Quick Fix series, uh, but this podcast, Unrighteously Righteous, uh, will be basically that replacement. So I'm basically starting this to sort of take the place of the Quick Fix series, which will be coming to an end over the course of the next month or so, uh, because, you know, the Quick Fix series uh, basically allows me to talk about three topics, uh, and I'm usually able to get through them very quickly, uh, you know, between five and ten minutes, uh, and I do that Typically, I do that three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, uh, but now I'm going, uh, well, you know, I still have a few left to release, I believe 10 in total as of right now of this upload. Uh, there's 10 more Quick Fix series that I'm going to release, uh, but then this, this podcast will allow me to continue talking about specific items, uh, but it will only take up one day a week, and I will be able to talk about five uh, you know, topics as opposed to three, but it will be all put into one big conversation as opposed to three separate small ones. I'm really just doing it this way because it will help me free up time because although this podcast will take me a lot longer to produce when it comes to recording, you know, editing, uh, rendering, and then actually uploading, it will take longer. It will take me probably a full day to do it, but at least then I have the other six days free without having to worry about do some, doing something else. So, whereas the Quick Fix series, I have to do three a week and, uh, you know, it, you know, it, 
they're very quick sort of to uh, edit and render and upload but they still take you know every bit of an hour sometimes to actually do and then I had to do that over the course of three different days whereas now I can just dedicate one day to do this and then uh, it, I don't know it's just easier for me and and then plus like I said it will the, the podcast will actually be more of an open discussion where it'll actually maybe even be more beneficial because we can talk more about the Bible and maybe incorporate more uh, you know, more scriptures and stuff like that without having the restraints of trying to make it quick. So if you were to look at the Atonement series as a whole, um, you know, every part of the Atonement series is all very specific. I have the main series, which is part one, two, and three, Matthew, conversion, and creation. Uh, but then I also have all the spin-offs, so to speak, as well. We have readings uh, up to chapter 30 of Genesis, uh, and I am going to be bringing that back eventually. Uh, probably once the uh, once uh, the quick fixes are finished, then I'm probably going to bring back the readings, and then so the readings and this podcast will be the two things that continue on past the main series. This this is basically the end game for the Atonement series, uh, the thing that I can do to continue to release content and to continue to release information about the Bible and all that good stuff will, uh, will be through the readings and, and the podcast now. Uh, so the quick fixes, so we had the quick fix, uh, which will be coming to an end soon. But as of right now, we still have the quick fix. We got the readings. Now we have this podcast on Righteously Righteous. But we also have the anthology uh, presentation, which is called Birth of Salvation. So we have a whole bunch of different uh, areas to the Atonement series, uh, uh, you know, besides the main part, Matthew, conversion, and creation. You know, Matthew's going to be finished over the course of the next seven days. Uh, so, you know, we'll be very, very soon, we'll be uh, moving into part two of conversion. I'm hoping to have all conversion done by the end of March. And then hopefully have creation done by the end of April and then the main series of atonement will be completely finished and then it will be only the readings and then of course this podcast really that will carry on and I will continue to do this as long as I possibly can which is uh, so that's always good so uh, yeah so this one is actually going to be all about um, uh, so this podcast today is actually going to be about all about the origin of the Atonement series, uh, basically a little bit about uh, my salvation, uh, you know, like my testimony of being saved, and all that good stuff, and how I went, how I went from there uh, onto doing this here today, uh, and 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 you basically talk about because I think as of right now we have almost seventy presentations uploaded about the Bible, and uh, so it's quite a bit of information already uploaded. And and the beautiful thing about the Atonement series is that it's all absolutely free. You don't even have to sign in. You can just go to the website and check out whatever video you like, uh, whether that is a reading or a quick fix or the main series or Birth of Salvation or now these podcasts. Uh, you can check it all out for absolutely free uh, and all that good stuff. Uh, so yeah, so I guess we'll start this podcast uh, literally from the very beginning, and I'll start with my testimony, and I'll start literally at the very beginning uh, as to when I first got saved. Alrighty, so where will we begin? Well, I guess we'll just jump right back to the beginning. Uh, so I came to the Lord and I uh, become saved 
uh, back in February of 2016. Now I cannot remember exactly the exact day, which I know I should be, you know, scandalous and ridiculous, right? But uh, but I can't remember the actual day, but I do know that it was in February of 2016, which means this past month I literally just hit six years. So I've been walking with the Lord for six years now, and I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that uh, my path has been all rainbows, butterflies, and sunshines. Uh, in fact, I have come and go with the faith uh, quite a bit over the past six years. And I think any Christians that tell you that it's an easy path and that you're never going to fall and that everything's going to be perfect, uh, I think that they're probably either uh, deceived themselves or they know the difference and they're deceiving you. Uh, because I don't think any path or any walk with Christ is ever easy. And uh, I have absolutely uh, knowingly and willingly sinned even after being saved. Uh, very shortly after I came to the Lord in 2016, uh, I went through a, a separation and I, uh, and that really, uh, I actually ended up taking three months off of work. And that really, uh, you know, that really messed me up a little bit, you know, and I did things during that uh, time that I'm not proud of, you know, I consumed alcohol and consumed cigarettes and stuff. I don't do any of that stuff now, but I did back then. The point of me telling you that is that even after I was saved, I still continued to rebel willingly knowing the difference. Uh, there were times when I did continually uh, sin, uh, even knowing the difference. Uh, so I'm, I'm just, you know, trying to paint the picture here that, you know, I'm not this good godly person or this righteous man. I, I'm absolutely not. I, I, I fall all the time. Uh, you know, I try my best uh, and I absolutely believe in repentance. Uh, but I think we all fall and we all struggle and I don't think the path is easy. Uh, so, you know, all I can do is try my best. Uh, but I do remember that uh, when the very first time I read the Bible, uh, right before I, I read that amazing verse, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, the very <laughs> I can remember that I never had a table or anything in, in my room because I used to go into, uh, I was staying in a two-bedroom uh, apartment in a building and the second bedroom never had, like a, I never had a desk or anything like that. But I also didn't want to read my Bible in public, not because I was ashamed, but I wanted that time alone with the Lord. Uh, so I would go into the bedroom and I would actually unfold an ironing board. We had an ironing board, uh, you know, that you would use like a table to iron clothing, curtains, sheets, whatever you need to iron. So I would actually read my Bible on the ironing board and I would bring in a, um, a little chair from, uh, from the dining room table basically. And I can remember, just like it was yesterday, the very first time I read the Bible, I can remember it as plain as day, I, I sat down, uh, actually I knelt down on the floor and I, and I had my Bible on the ironing board, and I knelt down on the floor and I put my two elbows basically, you know, put my hands together and I bowed my head, you know, because I was about to pray, uh, but I knelt down and I leaned on the chair itself that I was about to sit on, and it, it was one of the only few times that I've ever prayed for myself. Uh, I've only prayed for myself maybe five or six times throughout my six-year walk with Christ, and uh, and every time I did pray for myself, by the way, just so we're clear, I never ever prayed uh, for things. It was never anything material or anything like that. I've only ever pray prayed for, like, guidance or help or, uh, you know, and, and even help, I mean, just, like, spiritual help. You know, if I was going through something emotional, guidance, you know, I'd pray for, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit to guide me, to help me. Sometimes I would even call out God. You know, I was in a, I was in a place, uh, you know, at times when I was so uh, hurt emotionally that I would call out to God and say, hey God, you know, you promised not to put me through anything that I can't handle, but yet here we are, and uh, you know, I'm really struggling to hold on here. And uh, so there were times, like like those are the types of prayers that, you know, that I've, that, and I've only done that like four or five, maybe six times at most uh, over the past uh, six years. 
but I remember the very first prayer that I prayed. Uh, I actually prayed for wisdom. I, I, I pray, prayed that God would guide me with wisdom and guidance uh, to help me not be deceived. Uh, because I did, you know, kind of know a little bit about the Bible, but very minimal. Just from like a little bit of research I was doing on my own before actually reading it. Um, you know, and, I, and I've always read the King James Bible as well. I'm a, I'm a true believer in the King James Bible. I absolutely believe that that is the one and only true Bible. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not one of those Christians that's super aggressive on anyone that doesn't read that. You know, listen, I don't care what you read. As long as it brings you to Jesus, then that's all that matters. Uh, really, you know, let's, let's be honest, you know, because <laughs> there are some Christians that are very extreme. They're like, oh, you have to read the King James Bible. If not, you're lost, you're deceived. I'm not one of those people that, listen, I don't care really what you read as long as you come to Jesus. Uh, so ultimately, that's what matters. So I've always been a, a strong believer in the King James, uh, and it, and I have read uh, many variations of the Bible. Uh, I, I, I never read the full Bible of another translation, but I did read quite a bit of other translations. I read a lot of New King James, a lot of NIV, a lot of the American Standard a little bit about the Living Bible, uh, which is just crazy if you ask me that one. Uh, but anyways, uh, the, the original King James was always the only one that I re really ever thought was consistent. It does a really good job at explaining itself within itself. It's also the only Bible that's actually authorized. It authorizes itself. And then when you actually look at the history of King James, uh, he lived a very, uh, you know, very respectable, good, godly life. Uh, and uh, even his story in general, he seemed like he was a... Uh, you know, uh, it he, his story seems like it fits in quite well with, uh, with um, you know, with 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 uh, other witnesses in the Bible. So, uh, but of course, I mean, that's not really the reason. It has nothing to do with King James himself, really. But it's just, you know, it, it was always the only Bible that I actually felt like I was actually being inspired. The only one that I actually felt moved. And I've learned, if there's anything I've learned over these six years, is that you should absolutely trust your guidance, uh, trust your the, the guidance of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. If something doesn't feel right, then I guarantee you there's something not right. Uh, I've really learned how to, uh, how to uh, rely on uh, that part, I guess we'll say. Uh, you know, I've always been very skeptical. If something even feels 1% off, then it's probably off. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit more later on. So anyways, I remember reading uh, on, reading my Bible on an ironing board, and uh, the first prayer I ever prayed was for guidance and wisdom uh, so that I would not be deceived, so that if the opportunity came for me to help somebody else, then I would not deceive them. And at this point in time, I had no idea about Solomon or who Solomon was, which was really cool because then I actually read Solomon eventually, and then I actually seen that he kind of prayed the same prayer. He asked for wisdom to be a good leader, to be a good king, to uh, be able to be fair to his people. So I just thought that was really cool, uh, especially at that time because I didn't even know anything about Solomon. So it was pretty cool. Uh, but like I said, that was one of the only few times that I've ever uh, actually prayed for myself. I was also very dedicated in the very beginning. Uh, I always knew that prayer and uh, fasting was very important. So, you know, within the first year, probably, you know, probably within the first six or seven months, honestly, uh, actually, if I'm going to be honest, I can remember the first time. I, or I can't remember the date, obviously, but I do remember where I was living the first time uh, I fasted. So literally only about five or six months into my walk, uh, I started fasting, doing 24-hour fasts. If I had to add up uh, on an average, I would say that I did 24-hour fasts every single week for about five years. So there is about 
one full year that I didn't do it, but I don't mean one full year consistently or consecutively. I mean just in awe as an average in a total over six years. There's probably only about one year that I didn't fast. Uh, and I've done many different fasts. Uh, mainly I've done 24-hour fasts. Uh, I've done a couple of two-day fasts. And I did one really big fast, which I'm not going to talk about. Uh, but, uh, but my point is that I've always kept fasting very consistent with my path. And I've done that very early on, right from the beginning. And I'm still a believer today. Uh, in fact, if you watch the Atonement series, you'll see that I'm a very big uh, uh, supporter of fasting. I'm always trying to advocate fasting in all my messages as much as possible, praying and fasting. I would almost even argue that fasting is equally important, if not maybe even a little bit more important than actually studying the scriptures themselves. Because studying the scriptures are important for you to get lessons and to understand how to live. You know, that's where the law is. That's where the Ten Commandments are. But ultimately, that won't necessarily... Uh, it, it'll... it'll It'll speak out to you, but it's not quite the same as actually praying. You know, praying is not you reading somebody else's writings and not just you listening to God. Praying is you actually surrendering to God and then actually uh, building your own relationship out of your own words uh, with God. Uh, so praying and fasting are really, in my opinion, probably even... Uh, I, I won't go as far as saying more important than reading the Bible, but I would definitely put it on par. It's definitely equally important. Uh, 100%, you know, praying and fasting is by far. Uh, in fact, there's actually a verse in the Bible uh, where Jesus says it's not possible to achieve true faith unless you pray and fast. So, uh, fortunately, I, I've been doing that very early on. Uh, and honestly, it's been very helpful. I come up with a lot of my ideas for the Atonement series and all that stuff uh, during times when I was fasting. So I found it very, uh, very helpful. Uh, so that's pretty well all I'm going to say about me, like myself, on a personal level. Uh, from here on out, we're just going to talk about the Atonement series because I don't want to spend too much time on me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus, and which is actually what the Atonement series is all about. It's all about Him. It's all dedicated to Him and all that good stuff. So, anyways... Uh, yeah, so I'm reading on an iron board, I say my prayer, and, uh, and I like myself. So very early on, I can remember as soon as I read the first chapter of Genesis, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and basically the creation message, I become super obsessed with the creation message. And then when I got to the Ten Commandments, I become even more obsessed with the creation message. And the reason why is because the creation message is actually in the Ten Commandments, specifically commandment number four. Because when Jesus tells us to remember the Sabbath and to keep the Sabbath and to keep it holy, because on that day he rested, it, he sanctified it, he made it a sign between him and man. Uh, it, but when, you, when he actually gives that commandment, uh, and by the way, you can find the Ten Commandments either in Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy chapter 5, where they're actually listed out but when he actually gives that commandment he explains why a part of that commandment he says because in six days the heaven uh, God created the heaven the earth the sea and all that in them is so the creation message is actually in the Ten Commandments because it's embedded in commandment number four so I become very obsessed with the creation message and uh, and and uh, and at that time I had a whiteboard so I used to actually draw out uh, you know the creation Whatever God would do on day one, I would actually draw out on the whiteboard, and I found that that really, really helped me. And that actually sort of became uh, a way that I uh, started to study the entire scriptures. Whenever I got, you know, reading, say, for example, in Leviticus, you know, the building of the tabernacle, I would draw out the tabernacle. You know, when it comes to the genealogies, I would write out the genealogies. I would add up the dates of how people, how old people were when they died and when they didn't die. And I was doing all this very early on because I absolutely 
become obsessed with the Bible. And, uh, and like I said, at that time, I was going through a separation, and I actually took three months off of work, and I had nowhere else to go except to the Bible. So I was very excited uh, every day to dive into it. I'm not exaggerating. I was studying the Bible 16, anywhere from 12 to 16 hours a day uh, for probably like the first six maybe even the first full year almost, because even when I did work, I remember if I wasn't reading the Bible, then I was playing a sermon or uh, some kind of presentation, and I would sort of pick between all denominations. I would listen to some Seventh-day Adventists, I would listen to some Baptists, some Calvinists, some uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, some Mormons. So I sort of picked and choose between all of them, uh, and I was very confused. I didn't understand, uh, you know, how... Uh, why you know everybody proclaims to be Christian, but then there's all these different denominations. Uh, but we'll get into that a little later in the conversation when I explain how uh, why I made the atonement series to become uh, independent and non-denominational. But we'll get into that after. Uh, so, anyways, back to the creation message. Uh, I actually knew the entire first chapter of Genesis when I was only saved for five months. I knew every single word, word for word. I could rehearse you literally all of chapter one of Genesis when I was only five months saved. I actually knew the seven day creation before I knew the Ten Commandments. I remembered everything that God did in all seven days before I could remember even the Ten Commandments. And let's be honest, the Ten Commandments is, uh, is a lot easier to remember maybe than the creation message because God does so much uh, in the creation and he does so much on each day is really only like day two and seven that's not really a hundred percent you know hard to remember you know day two he creates the firmament day seven is the Sabbath so pretty straightforward but you know to remember you know all seven days you know at, you know from such an early time of being saved uh, is something I've become very proud of and I, and, and like I said once I uh, uh, read the Ten Commandments for the first time and I realized creation is actually in the commandments under commandment number four then it started me to think well maybe creation uh, is actually equally important to salvation uh, because every time you go to somebody listening to their sermon they're always talking about salvation right but then I started to realize that the creation message is actually equally important to salvation because you can't have salvation without creation. You can't believe that God can save you if you don't believe in God. And you can't believe in God without believing that God created everything. Because if you don't believe in God or you don't believe that God created everything, then how on earth could you believe that he can save you? So I started to realize very early on that the creation message was actually what I call a parallel message to the salvation. You could not have one over the other. It was impossible. It was just you could not have one without the other. You can't have salvation without believing uh, creation. And you can't understand the significance of creation without understanding salvation. So I realized very early on that the creation message and the salvation message was actually a parallel passage, sort of like a divided highway. It's very important uh, that we have a divided highway. They're two complete, they're completely different sides of the highway, right? And you can't get from one side to the other because they're divided. They're two very different messages, two very different directions, but they're both equally important and they will both take you from town to town and you cannot really get to one place or leave one place without the other, if that makes sense. You have to not only have an entrance, but you must also have an exit. So it's the same idea. So that's sort of what I started to nickname the creation and the salvation message. I actually nicknamed it a parallel message. You can't have one without the other. And I started to realize just how important creation really is, uh, the creation message, uh, because, you know, like I said, people always focus on the salvation message, but I mean the creation message is literally in the Ten Commandments. You can't have one without the other. So I can remember reading the end of the Gospels, 
uh, specifically like the end of Matthew uh, chapter 28, like starting at ni uh, verse 19, where Jesus said, uh, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things of whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And then the end of Mark 16, 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. And then, of course, Luke 24, 47, and 48. Uh, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in, in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. So when I read that, then I realized, okay, well, I need to obviously do something for the Lord. You know, he's basically begging us here. You know, we need to be doing things for the Lord. Uh, uh, you know, at least try to be. And I understand. Listen, not everybody's going to have an atonement series. Not everybody is comfortable with speaking uh, publicly. But I think everybody has the ability to do something. If you yourself can't come up with an idea, with an idea then maybe you should help somebody else try to do, uh, you know, maybe push their message, you know, no matter what, right? Uh, it's always good to be a part of this because it is a spiritual war. Uh, and it is very important that we strengthen the church. We're all on the same team here, right? So it's very important, no matter what denomination you are, whether you're, you know, Baptist or, or you know, or whatever you are, you know, we all believe in Jesus and we're all on the same team. Uh, so when I read that, I knew I had to tell... Uh, and I always had that fire where I wanted to talk about uh, Jesus and stuff as well. Uh, so what I ended up doing is I ended up starting to uh, write a, uh, a presentation uh, and I started to, and, and I said, I'm going to dedicate my presentation to creation because there's already so many salvation messages. So I'm going to focus on creation. And, and because I was already after writing out the creation message on a whiteboard and drawing it out, I said, you know what, I'm going to title my presentation Creation Through Illustration. So now I had my message. I knew that I was going to do the creation through illustration, but I still didn't actually have a, a full-blown title. You know, uh, you know, so I did sort of go, you know, because I wanted to start a YouTube channel to be able to release the message, but I didn't have a title. I didn't want my actual YouTube channel to be just called creation through illustration because I was afraid that that would sort of put me into a bubble, you know, and sort of back me into a corner, whereas maybe people would think that I'm always going to be doing these presentations by drawing and stuff like that, and uh, and I basically always, uh, you know, and I, and I was afraid that if I wanted to extend it or do something else besides the creation through illustration, uh, you know, I was afraid that if I simply called the YouTube channel that I, I just felt like it was going to bottleneck me and sort of limit things that I could do, so... I always knew creation through illustration would be the name of the presentation, but I didn't actually want that to be the title of everything that I'm doing. Uh, so I actually created a, uh, a YouTube channel and also a BitChute channel. So I had those two things created uh, years ago, actually. Uh, and it was called, I called it the Young Christian Ministry. Short, it stood for the YCM, the Young Christian Ministry. So I started the YouTube channel, the Young Christian Ministry, and actually I ended up also end up uh, making a website and calling it theyoungchristianministry.com uh, is no longer up, so you cannot go there now. I, I'm pretty sure I still own the domain until like 2024, I think, or something like that. Uh, but I, did, I don't use it as not active. I did delete that website and everything, which I'll explain uh, in, now here in a few minutes. 
why I, I give up on the young Christian ministry. But uh, anyway, so that was how I sort of decided, you know what, I'm going to release uh, the presentation through the young Christian ministry. But at the same time, I also knew that it was going to take me a little while before I was able to get to that point and actually release the presentation. Uh, so at this point in time, I was sort of gravitating towards Seventh-day Adventist, uh, Baptist, and Calvinist. So I was mainly uh, listening to those sermons because I found that they were the most accurate to what I believed, uh, at least at that point in time, because I did believe in the Sabbath. I did believe that we should keep the Sabbath. It is a part of the Ten Commandments, uh, specifically number four. And I did believe that Saturday was Sabbath. In fact, I believed it so much that I actually went to my boss and I uh, requested and asked, could I have Friday nights and Saturday off so that I could keep the Sabbath? Uh, but in return, I would agree to work every Sunday. And of course, uh, my old workplace was very accommodating, no problems at all. I knew they would let me anyways. Uh, they don't discriminate or anything like that. So it was a great place to work. And uh, they absolutely uh, said, sure, okay, that's fine. So I actually uh, even, I was so dedicated to the Sabbath that I was actually willing to even do go that far. Uh, and I would, I would usually fast during what I called the Sabbath. I would fast, I would uh you know, I would only use electronics if I had like a sermon or something on, but I wouldn't just put on normal TV or, or anything like that. If it didn't have to do with God, that I wouldn't do it. Uh, I wouldn't work. Uh, you know, what I would do is I would pre-record uh, a sermon. So I, I started doing weekly sermons and I would pre-record them uh, throughout the week and I would schedule them to be released on Saturday while I was keeping the Sabbath. Uh, I actually still have all those presentations typed up. Uh, I have them in a folder, in a binder, because they were some of the first presentations that I've ever done. And I started to release them on Saturdays uh, weekly uh, while I was uh, doing uh, what I called the Sabbath. But as time went on, it just sort of, it bugged me. I just, I still couldn't understand how people knew that Saturday was the Sabbath, because all I could see from the scriptures was that God said the seventh day but he never said Saturday, he said the seventh day. You know, when we take a look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, God says, For in six days the Lord uh, made heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So this is actually uh, when God is giving us the Ten Commandments. This is when he's explaining commandment number four, which is in Exodus 20. Uh, and he explains why he wanted us to honor, remember, and keep the Sabbath. And well, this is why, because in six days. So this here is also why I gravitated so much towards the creation message, because uh, I, I've, I've become obsessed with the creation message from day one. Like I said, I, under, I, I had all the first chapter of Genesis memorized, you know, within only five or six months of being saved, actually before the Ten Commandments. Uh, but, then, uh, but then when I actually seen the creation message actually embedded in the Ten Commandments, I became even more obsessed. Uh, but I just couldn't figure out how people knew that the seventh day was Saturday. And then I would continue to read the scriptures, and then I would come across the verse in Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, and it said, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given unto his hand uh, until a time, times, and the dividing of time, which is three and a half years. Uh, I got a great presentation on that. Uh, if you want to see it, I mean, uh, check out Matthew uh, part 10, 11, and 12, where I break down that verse and I explain to you how we know time times and the dividing of time is actually three and a half years. So anyways, 
So I read that verse and I seen that it says that the devil is going to change times and lives. Now I knew uh, the devil has no control over time because God says that. In fact, the devil doesn't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yes, he has things planned that he's going to try to do tomorrow, but the devil does not have the ability to see the future. Uh, God is very specific about that. The devil cannot see the future. He also cannot read your mind and he also uh, has no control over time. So when I read this, the only thing that I figured that the devil was going to do is he would try to change our perspective of time by changing the calendar. We use a 365-day calendar today, which is not what God uses. Uh, in fact, our 365 days does not even work, which is why we have a leap year to make up for it. it you know, our calendar literally doesn't even work, so we have to have a leap year. Uh, so... Uh, so when I read that, then I started to think to myself, well, then how could anybody know what the seventh day even is? And then when I continued to read the scriptures, I realized that Paul the Apostle and also John, who was exiled on Pampas Islands that you read all about in chapter one of Revelations, they both wrote seven letters to a group of people. Now, John specifically wrote his letter to the churches of the people of the areas, whereas Paul didn't really direct his letters to the churches, but he did direct his letter to the people of the areas and cities and towns that he wrote to, uh, but uh, but he still made churches there. Paul built churches everywhere he went, and he would usually leave one or two people in charge who he trusted. So when we look at Paul, Paul wrote seven letters. He wrote to the Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians. Now he wrote more than one letter to some, some like you know, like the Corinthians. He wrote two letters, uh, but you know, the idea is that he wrote to seven different locations, all of which he started churches. And then, of course, when you go John, John wrote specifically to the churches. He wrote to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamus, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And what you learn is that John's first letter, Ephesus, is actually uh, the same as Paul's letter to the Ephesians. You know, it's like it's the same as saying Americans live in America, Canadians live in Canada, while the Ephesians live in Ephesus. So John and Paul both wrote a letter to the Ephesians or to Ephesus. Uh, so but what that told me was that roughly 2,000 years ago, we had all these churches and all these people, and even 2,000 years ago, all these religions and all these churches and all these good godly people were all falling away. They were falling back into sin, which means they were corrupt, and they continued to live ungodly. Not everybody, but some of them. I mean, that's the whole reason why they wrote the letters to them, to try to make them wake up and realize that they're starting to fall away a little bit, and, uh, you know, they're starting to lose their way. Uh, so... Uh, so I started to come, in my own mind, I started to come to the conclusion, well, if they were that corrupt 2,000 years ago, then how much more corrupt are we today? And then I, I would end up reading in one of Paul's letters, specifically Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, in chapter 2, verse 12, uh, Paul read something that really stood out to me. Uh, or Paul wrote something that really stood out to me. Paul said, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So right here, Paul said, if you want to understand the spiritual world, you must use spiritual things to compare with spiritual things. Paul then continues and says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 
But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judgeth of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So how do we receive the mind of Christ? How do we try to be like Christ and think like Christ and become more like Christ with our journey with Christ as we repent and we try to become more Christ-like? That's what it means to be a Christian. You're proclaiming to be a type of Christ. Uh, so how do we you know, continue on that journey to be more like Christ? Well, we do it, according to Paul, by using spiritual things and comparing it to spiritual things. And that's when I came to the conclusion that I'm going to start using the Bible to explain the Bible. I will use the spiritual word to explain the spiritual word. Without even my own interpretation and without the influence of denominations or religions, I will use, I will rely, not even, I won't even rely on myself, I will only rely on the Bible. And if I cannot prove it scripturally, then I will not talk about it, at least not publicly. Now sure, I do have interpretations on some things, but for the most part, everything that I believe, I can prove scripturally. And if I can't prove it scripturally, then sure, I do have an interpretation, but it's a very light interpretation. It's something that I'm like, well, it could be this, it could be that, maybe it is, maybe it's not. You know, I'll be the first person to admit that I don't understand the book of Revelations. You know, I understand the side, the side effects of what, are, what is going to happen. I understand the consequences of what's going to happen, but how things are going to happen and what countries are going to be involved and this and that and everything else, I have no idea. And, and I can admit that because the Bible does not specifically explain how it's going to happen uh, specifically. It just sort of explains the side effects of what's going to happen in the future. So, you know, so I started to really rely on the scriptures to explain the scriptures. And that's how I basically end up becoming independent and non-denominational. I said, rather than picking a side with anybody, how about we all set aside our differences? How about we let go of the interpretations and let go of the denominations and instead let us unite spiritually as the body of Christ and let us agree on Christ and let's use our different opinions and interpretations rather than fighting each other and dividing each other. Let's all talk about it to, so that we can all gain in wisdom and knowledge of Christ and we can, be, uh, and we can actually act like the spiritual church that Jesus has intended us to be like. So that's how, uh, uh, it, you know, basically how, so that's how I scrapped the young Christian ministry because I didn't like the idea that the ministry sounded too religious, too denominational. So I scrapped that idea and I got rid of it and I decided to only use the Bible to explain the Bible because of what Paul said. And, this, and that was also when I decided to basically uh, not necessarily not keep the Sabbath, but I stopped saying that Saturday was the Sabbath because how could you know? It's impossible. God even said himself that the devil would change our perception of the calendar. He would change our perception of time. And, of course, so I started to use the Bible and only the Bible because the Bible is the basic instructions before leaving earth, which teaches us the way of life, teaching us about God's grace, how we cannot achieve God's grace, but we can only receive God's grace. And God's grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And as a wise woman once told me, she said, we must learn to swallow our pride and let go of our ego because our ego edges God out. So I 
sort of felt like I was going backwards a little bit. Uh, I didn't feel like I had to do a full-blown reset. I didn't feel like I was back at square zero because I was still working on creation through illustration. I still had the presentation, but I did feel like sort of I went back to square one where now I had to sort of rebrand, re uh, you know, rethink and come up with a new idea, a re you know, do a, a new title or a new way of releasing uh, my project uh, without it trying to sound, you know, religious or to be a part of any denomination. Uh, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But I just didn't want, uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted to have a title that people knew it was a faith-based project, but not necessarily religious, if that makes sense, uh, that sort of thing. So I really uh, sort of, uh, you know, I just continued to work on creation through illustration, but I continued to study and read and fast and pray because Jesus tells us that the only way to achieve true faith is from prayer and fasting. And we can actually see this in Matthew chapter 17, starting at verse 20, and then also 21. Jesus actually says, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. But then he says in verse 21, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So Jesus is basically saying uh, the only way that you can have the kind of faith where you can actually do impossible things, you know, you can literally move mountains. Uh, he says, you know, you, you can only achieve that through prayer and fasting. So I started to rely, once again, very heavy on studying, reading, prayer, and fasting uh, when I was trying to come up with a new title and how to sort of rebrand uh, what I was trying to do. And, uh, and what's also very interesting here is uh, you can really see the wisdom of Jesus because Jesus actually talks about the faith of a mustard seed, uh, which is important because a mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds of all seeds. But when you grow it, it turns into a huge, massive mustard, uh, like this huge mustard, uh, uh, massive tree in which the birds will come and the tree will bear fruit and all this good stuff. Um, uh, but, but, the, but, but that also represents uh, baptism but it also represents crucifixion because in order for a seed to grow, you had to plant it, which means you had to put it into the ground. And then it will come to life and sprout out, out of the ground, just like Jesus had to be killed and buried. Well, he wasn't literally buried, buried, but he was put into a sepulchre. Uh, but that's exactly what the baptism uh, represents. When you go into the water, you, uh, you, do, you go through what uh, Paul the Apostle calls crucified with Christ. So when you're thrown into the water, well not thrown, but when you're dipped into the water, full body submersion, you are then representing your, 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 you yourself are dying, your body, your flesh is dying, you're crucified with Christ, then you come up out of the water and that represents uh, you now being washed of the blood of Christ, uh, you now have remission of sins, which means in his eyes, spiritually, you're no longer a sinner because he has done all that, he has done the work for you. Uh, and, uh, and of course, you know, that represents you being born again, being a new man, what Paul says, you know, take off that old man of sin and put on a new man. And so, uh, but, but it's very interesting that even the seed, the mustard seed sort of represents this as well, because it goes into the ground, but then comes out way more powerful, way more stronger and bears lots of fruit, which is so amazing. So cool. Uh, and all that good stuff. Uh, so, uh, you know, so that's, uh, so I really stuck with the praying and fasting and then, uh, and then honestly, one day it just sort of came to me, you know, I, uh, all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, but even more so probably in the Old Testament, I can always remember, um, understanding, uh, 
always you know reading about the blood atonement how you know it's, it's the blood that gives us the atonement it's the blood that gives us salvation even in the old testament uh you know the animal blood would cover their sin it wouldn't take away their sin but it would cover their sin and they would uh and they would be forgiven for that until jesus would eventually come that would actually and he would actually do away with the sin altogether but but all throughout the uh, Bible, both Old and New Testament, we always seen this blood atonement. You know, specifically in the Old Testament, just one of many examples in the Old Testament. Uh, we can see it in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. It says, for the, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for, for the soul. So here's, this is just one example in the Old Testament where you can see the blood atonement. And then of course you can see Paul talking about it in his letter to the Romans, chapter 5, starting at verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if we, if, for if when we were enemies, we were rec reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy, uh, joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So now you can see, uh, once again, now you can see the blood of Christ becoming that blood atonement. Uh, so that's sort of how I came up with the idea of using the word atonement, because originally I was thinking something like maybe like crucified with Christ or, uh, you know, born again with Christ or something like that. Uh, but it was just something that kept sticking out to me about the blood atonement. So, uh, but I didn't want to use the word blood in the, in the title because I just thought, you know, that's pretty aggressive, kind of gory, you know what I mean? So I just, I didn't really like the idea of using blood, but I did like the idea of using atonement. And that's how I became, uh, came up with the name atonement. And at that time, I only called it Project Atonement. And that was how I was going to release creation through illustration. I was going to release it under the title of a Project Atonement. Now, even, even nowadays, today, even though, like, now, hypothetically, it's called the Atonement Series, uh, I still call it Project Atonement, like, to myself. Uh, that's what I call it. Uh, so I knew, so now I had the title. I said, okay, I'm going to call this Project Atonement, but I also wanted to make sure that everybody had access to it. I wanted to make sure that it was only me that had control of it, and I wanted to make sure that it was always uh, not only accessible to everyone, but also absolutely free and only done at my own cost because when Jesus sent out the apostles, uh, he told them to do everything for free, which you can see in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Uh, Jesus sends out the 12 apostles and he tells them, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely have received, so freely give. And, uh, and that's exactly why I decided to do the website and, uh, and all that stuff is because I wanted to make sure that nobody had to pay for any of the work that I was doing. And thus began Project Atonement, which would eventually become the Atonement series. And the reason why I called it uh, atonementseries.tv was simply because I just thought it was different. You know, everybody has .com or .ca or .org and that stuff, but I just thought it was a very catchy ring to it and hopefully would attract people to come in if I called it atonementseries.tv.
I was about uh, probably about a full year into working on the creation presentation, uh, or at that time I used to call it CTI, Creation Through Illustration. Uh, so I was about one year into uh, doing that presentation. I was having a blast. I was really enjoying it. Uh, had a lot of fun. I was very proud of the presentation coming together. Now keep in mind, this would have been roughly about four years ago now uh, from the time of this podcast. And, um, you know, I was still learning myself. I was very early on into uh, into my walk with Jesus. I was still learning every single day uh, things with the Bible, even more so, uh, you know, because I was so new back then. I mean, I still learn things every single day, even today about the Bible, things that I just don't catch on to, uh, but, uh, you know, because that's essentially the whole purpose of the walk, you know, every single day we learn something, and we will continue to learn something uh, potentially forever, because uh, I, I'm pretty sure that even in the in the next life, when we enter the spiritual world, I'm pretty sure we're going to continue learning even there as well, so I don't think, uh, you know, that walk ever truly ends, so, uh, but, but you know, but, but, but four years ago, you know, I knew a lot less than what I know today, and even what I know today, is nothing really, but compared to then, it was a uh, you know I, I um, I'll say I I, I remember or, um, I know a lot more in the sense that I can put verses together a lot better today. Uh, but just because I know how to put verses together, don't mean I understand it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of you know I, I always tell people that are very close to me that the more I study the Bible, the less I know. <laughs> you think it would be the opposite, but it's actually not. Uh, I find the the longer I'm, I'm looking at that one book, uh, the less I understand it. Uh, but anyways, I was I was about a year into working on uh, creation, and I just couldn't help. Uh, I just sort of always had this feeling that the biggest prop that I had a really big problem with the with the series, and that was there's just simply not enough Jesus. And I sort of started to fall back on that whole parallel message thing again. You know, you can't have one without the other. So I knew if I'm going to do something with creation, then it was inevitable for me to do something with salvation. So. I also didn't want to undermine or undercut uh, Jesus either, so I didn't want to, you know, focus more on the creation than salvation. I wanted it to be as equal as I possibly could. So I sort of took about a week or maybe even a week and a half off completely from doing anything with creation, and I started to... Um, I started to basically just continue on my own journey, doing my own studies, my own reading, and I just sort of left it alone for almost two weeks, I think it was actually, but I'll say a week and a half to be generous, uh, but I'm pretty sure it was almost two weeks, and uh, and I just sort of left it there, left it alone, and, and then I came back and I said, yeah, okay, I need to start putting the salvation, and I need to start putting a lot more about Jesus in this presentation, so I tried to do, uh, you know, well, I knew that creation was going to be eight presentations, so I thought, well, maybe I'll do eight presentations all about Jesus as well, starting with his birth, and then maybe talk about some of his miracles, talk about his ministry a little bit, and then talk about his sacrifice, and then show the significance of that sacrifice uh, because of the importance of it. And, uh, and I just I just couldn't make it work. I tried to fit it in with the creation, and then I also tried to do like a little side presentation, uh, but I wanted it to be even. If I'm going to have eight with uh, creation, then I want a minimal of at least eight about Jesus. I wanted it to stay very neutral uh, and very even. Uh, you know, I wanted it to be fair with both messages. Uh, but I just, I really couldn't get it to work. And in the back of my mind, I think I sort of always knew that I was going to end up having to lean uh, more on one of the Gospels. And I, I was sort of, uh, 
very against that idea because I just knew the workload that was going to come with that. Because even if I had have chosen uh, Mark, you know, even the Gospel of Mark still has 18 chapters. So I knew at a minimal I was going to <laughs> I was going to be adding 18 presentations uh, onto uh, onto the series that I've already been working on. So literally, even if I just went with the so shortest gospel, I would have went from eight presentations to uh, you know 26 presentations, and uh, and it just become you know it was, you know literally within 24 hours, I went from having you know a, a pretty half decent workload to like almost what I felt like an impossible workload. Uh, so, but I couldn't really find my way out of it. You know, I did break some presentations, couple of little, little mini ones, kind of like a little mini series, which I just couldn't get it to work. And then I wrote some big presentations and I just couldn't get it to fit with the creation message because like I said, even though they rely on each other, they're two completely different messages. So I just really couldn't make it work. So I just sort of uh, bit the bullet and I said, okay, I'm going to do an in-depth study, uh, an independent non-denominational perspective of one of the four gospels. So then I sort of had to decide, well, which gospel am I going to use? Uh, so, of course, you know, John has always been my favorite gospel, uh, but when you read the gospel of John, John already assumes that the reader has already accepted Christ. That's why John focuses so much on the deity and the divinity of Christ. He, he really focuses, uh, actually, the gospel relies mainly on Jesus' seven miracles. That's why the gospel of John is the only gospel that talks about the wedding, you know, the miracle at the wedding and Jesus going to the wedding. It's the only gospel that talks, really talks about Nicodemus and, and all these things. And, you know, it's the only gospel, uh, you know, that talks about a lot of things, actually. You know, even a lot of details about the trial and stuff like that. Uh, so... Uh, as much as I love John, you know, in my personal life, I think John is my favorite gospel, but uh, I just, it's definitely not a good uh, gospel to introduce Jesus because he makes the assumption that the reader has already accepted Jesus. That's why he talks about the God, uh, the God part of Jesus so much, and he really uh, uh, relies on the divinity of Christ as opposed to the humanity uh, because he makes that assumption. So I really, as much as I love John, I knew I wasn't going to be able to use John. Now, I also sort of knew that I wasn't going to use Mark simply because of how short Mark was. Mark literally jumps from scene to scene, and that's it. He doesn't fill in any information or anything in between all that much. Uh, that's why his gospel is significantly shorter than the rest. He's only 18 chapters, uh, and that's... Uh, and because he portrays Jesus as a suffering servant. So he actually treats his testimony the same way that Jesus himself was treated. Uh, you know, basically nobody really looked at Jesus as being a hero or a king, a prophet. Uh, you know, they even looked at him really as being less than a man because of the abuse he ends up taking eventually and all that stuff. So that's literally how Mark sort of treats his gospel. He treats his testimony the same way that Jesus himself is treated. This is also why Mark and John, neither one of those, uh, uh, testimonies has the genealogy of Jesus because John treats Jesus as God and God has no genealogy. He doesn't come from anyone. He always has been, always will be. You know, he has no beginning, middle, or end. He simply is. So John never gives him a genealogy. And then Mark never gives him a genealogy because Mark treats him as the suffering servant. And back in those days, nobody cares about a servant. You know, nobody cares about the family of a servant. Nobody cares where a servant comes from. So this is why Mark and John has no genealogy. One treats him as God and one treats him the way that he was treated, basically in the sense that nobody cares about a servant uh, and all that stuff. So then, then that left me with Matthew and Luke. Now Luke is definitely the best, uh, 
the best introduction to Jesus because Luke treats Jesus as a man. He shows the humanity of, of uh, Jesus, which is why he actually opens his gospel with the birth of John the Baptist because he's trying to show people that even Jesus had a cousin, even Jesus had a mother, even Jesus had an aunt, uncle, all these things. Uh, so he really focuses on the family side of, uh, of Jesus and the humanity uh, side of Jesus and shows that Jesus had a lot of relationships uh, and all that good stuff. Luke is also the only gospel that's actually written in order. Uh, he actually states that in the opening of his gospel. He talks about how he understands all the mysteries, he understands all the testimonies, and he's going to write them in order of events uh, in which things happen. And all that good stuff. Uh, so I really love Luke, and I thought, and I personally, even today, if somebody asks me what order do I think you should read the Gospels, I actually think you should read Luke first, and then I think you should read Mark, and then Matthew, and then John. So I actually think it should al almost be reversed of, of what they are in the Bible. Start with Luke, then read Mark, and then read Matthew, and then John. And that is really the best way to sort of be introduced to Jesus. Uh, but the only reason why I didn't use Luke was simply because, uh, you know, in, in the English translation, uh, especially the King James Bible, Luke's gospel is divided. It's split in half because it one half is the, what we call the gospel of Luke. And then the second half is what we call uh, Acts or the actions of the apostles. Some people think it's the actions of Jesus. I think it's actually both combined. I think it's the actions of Jesus through the apostles. So I typically just call it, you know, the actions of the apostles. But really, it's all done. I mean, the whole Bible is inspired by God. So it's all done by him, but through people. Uh, but anyways, uh, but in the original Hebrew, in the original translations, uh, the book of Acts don't exist. It's all actually just one long manuscript, uh, basically. So that's why I didn't use Luke, because I didn't want to use half of Luke. I didn't just want to use the gospel without using the book of Acts. And I didn't want to add, you know, I, I can't even remember, was it like 20-something chapters in Acts? So I didn't want to have to use the gospel that had, you know, 40, 50, you know, almost 60 chapters, uh, just because of how long that would have taken. And I didn't feel right to use half of his writings. Uh, I know in the English translation, it's, it's divided, but that's not really how it was originally. Originally, it was in the Greek, because uh, the New Testament's in Greek, the Old Testament's in the Hebrew, uh, and the Greek, uh, you know, Luke is not separated into two parts. It's just one big scroll. Uh, so I didn't want to, uh, I just didn't feel right to use Luke because I didn't feel right about only using half of his testimony. Uh, so that's essentially uh, through, uh, you know, a process of elimination. That's how I came to the conclusion that I'm going to do the Gospel of Matthew. I didn't want to use half of Luke. I felt like Mark was too much. Uh, or uh, not enough, I'm sorry, and then John was too much in your face about Jesus being God, and I just didn't feel like that's uh, an appropriate way to introduce Jesus, and also I didn't think it really suited my message all that much, because, uh, because in part three of the Atonement series with creation through illustration, uh, that was going to show Jesus as being God anyways, because it was going to show that he created everything. So I didn't really need to use a gospel that also shows that Jesus is God. I wanted to use a gospel that showed him more of a man, uh, but I didn't want to go full-blown humanity because I didn't want to use half of Luke's writings, uh, which is why I went with Matthew, basically. And thus began uh, uh, the gospel according to Matthew Levi, or also known as... Uh, also known as uh, the Matthew series. And I also knew then, once I came to my own conclusion that I was going to use the gospel, I also then knew that, okay, this is going to be part one. I wanted the Atonement series to begin 
with the introduction of Jesus. Now, it's essentially, uh, Matthew is actually only 28 chapters, uh, but I ended up pushing it to 30 presentations because I ended up adding in the two witnesses, which is part 12, and then also I did go as far as Acts chapter 1, uh, because really in Acts chapter 1, that's also where we see Jesus ascend up into the heaven and all that stuff. So I, I, I sort of uh, went from 28 presentations up to 30 presentations uh, for Matthew, and then plus the eight presentations for creation. So literally, you know, within the, uh, you know, within the course of a week or even two weeks, uh, I went from having to do eight presentations to now 38 presentations. And even at that point, I still had no idea I was going to do another part called conversion, uh, which was essentially going to be another six presentations, which would go, which would actually end up bringing me up to 44 presentations in which all these series would come together to create the atonement series. But I did want my, uh, my version of Matthew to be very different because I wanted to do it in a way, you know, well, why would people want to watch my version of Matthew as opposed to just going and watching somebody else's? You know, there's so many studies, so many presentations from all denominations that focus on one of each of the four Gospels. So you can go anywhere to find a good in-depth study about Matthew. So, I wanted, to, so I, I wanted to sort of figure out, well, what's going to be special about my version and all that stuff? So I sort of treated Matthew the same way that I wish I could have had types of information when I was studying Matthew on my own. So I treated it as a guide and I made it sort of like a guide in the sense that it's a guide that I wish I had had myself. Uh, which is why there's, you know, all throughout the series there's very interesting uh, little perspectives, not even perspectives because nothing in it really comes from perspective. It all comes from using the Bible to explain the Bible. That was actually my golden rule with the Atonement series. If I cannot prove it, then I simply won't talk about it because there is a lot of the Bible that comes from opinions, perceptions, interpretations, uh, but that is not what I wanted the Atonement series to be. It didn't. I didn't want it to come from me. I wanted it to come from the Bible. So you know, the very, you know, the whole idea that uh, the Atonement series comes from an independent non-denominational perspective anyways, even that alone puts it in a unique uh, perspective because there's not a whole lot of people that are not a part of religion or denominations. Uh, I mean, they do exist. There's still a ton of people that are independent, but not as much as, you know, the, the denominations definitely outweigh and outnumber the independent folks, we'll say, right? So, I wanted Matthew to be very special. So one thing that I decided to do was that, okay, I'm going to do it in a uh, sort of like a slideshow presentation format in the sense that I'm actually going to put the verses on the screen and rather than just simply talk about it or explain it to people, then I'm actually going to show the verses of as much as I can, really. So, if, for example, if Jesus were to fulfill a uh, prophecy, I did not want just to say, hey, this is the fulfillment of a prophecy. I wanted to actually show you the verses from the Old Testament. So, if Jesus fulfills a prophet from Hosea or Isaiah or, you know, anybody, Zechariah, Jeremiah, I wanted to actually show those verses next to each other. I wanted to show the fulfillment uh, in Jesus uh, from the Gospel of Matthew and I also wanted to show where it was prophesied in the Old Testament prophecies and I also wanted to do the opposite as well if Jesus was giving a lesson that I also wanted to incorporate uh, incorporate uh, or interject even uh, scriptures from the future, things like the book of Acts or maybe some of Paul's writings in the letters and show where they took some of his lessons and then, uh, lessons and then actually applied it in the real world. So uh, all these uh, scriptures I wanted to show where it was either prophesied in the past or where they actually apply it in the future and then uh, and all that good stuff so but I also wanted, uh, wanted something to be in there that maybe people didn't know. I did want to focus on small details as well. Something as simple as maybe just defining Jesus' name. 
you know, Jesus Christ means God with us as the Messiah. So I wanted to show these little details while also showing the scriptures of uh, when the apostles in the future would use his lessons and apply them, or even in the past when somebody would prophesy something and then he fulfills it. I wanted to show all that information as much as I could, and I wanted people to physically read it for themselves and not just have me explain it or talk about it. And of course, there were times when I would put things in the gospel that maybe had nothing to do with the gospel, had nothing to do with prophecy, or even an application of a lesson, but maybe it was just something similar. For example, there's one part in the Matthew series where Jesus heals the two blind men, and then I go back and talk about the story of David, of how, <clears throat> excuse me, of how David ended up uniting Israel, how they were two separate nations, and then he unites them as one. Sort of like how Jesus uh, gives sight to the two blind men, he unites them and makes them one, and he makes them whole, and plus they also start to follow Jesus then. Uh, so sort of like David comes in and takes two broken parts of Israel and then unites them and makes them whole, uh, and that sort of thing. So even if the, the Old Testament scriptures or even New Testament scriptures didn't directly uh, have to do with Matthew, I still uh, interjected it and still put them in there uh, just for the sake of giving uh, the viewer as much information as possible because I, I, I think you know, those things were very important. You know, there are also some other things. I, I, one really cool example was when I showed very early on in the Matthew series, I think it was part four of the Matthew series, where I show and actually prove scripturally that the, the miracle of the fish did not happen the exact same day as when uh, the first time when Jesus meets Peter. A lot of people think that the miracle of the fish was the first miracle that he performed, but that's not accurate and it's not scriptural. And I can remember, <clears throat> excuse me, a bunch of positive feedback that I actually got from that people, uh, you know, from uh, uh, comments and messages from uh, people on the various social media platforms uh, actually telling me that, uh, you know, actually saying, you know, how they didn't realize that and how they would actually go back and fact check it. And, you know, they didn't realize it. So they went back and looked for themselves, but then they realized that uh, that actually did not happen right away. In fact, the miracle of the fish happened the day after Jesus had already spent the night with Peter. <laughs> Uh, so Jesus spends the night with Peter in his house, which is the same night that he heals uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And then all the town lines up at Jesus' door and he heals a bunch of them. Uh, and then he ends up going and... And then it says that he actually leaves the next morning, uh, bef hours before uh, daylight, and he goes to pray. But then the people come to find him, and then they push him onto the Lake Gennesaret, which you can read in chapter 4 of Luke. And then it says, then he teaches them on the, she uh, on the seashore, uh, or by, you know, on the shore, and then he goes over and performs the miracle of the fish. But when you read the Gospel of Mark, Mark says that Peter was actually in that crowd. So he knew, uh, so Peter clearly knew Jesus, and also Jesus stayed at Peter's house the night before he performed that miracle of the fish. So a lot of people don't know that and didn't know that. So there's a few times throughout the Matthew series where I actually put in these timelines. Uh, I got one right at the beginning, and then I have another one at the very end of the Matthew series. I think it's like part 27 or 28, uh, where I put another timeline there, and I actually show people literally uh, how to uh, read the Gospel of John in accordance to Matthew. Literally, like, I literally show people what verse to leave Matthew and then go read, you know, maybe a couple of chapters of John uh, and then go back, to, uh, you know, and then read the next verse uh, because, uh, so, so that comes at the end of the Matthew series where I show uh, another sort of like a little guide on how to read John and how to take John and incorporate that with uh, Matthew uh, and it will really help you understand Matthew and John combined because Matthew sort of skims over a lot of things whereas John 
online is an actual eyewitness account uh, and uh, and he talks about it and he fills in the details so that's basically how I ended up doing the Matthew series but that's also the approach that I wanted to take with the Matthew series I wanted to show people that uh, not everything might be as quite as what it seems but I wanted to show details about things even something as simple as defining Jesus's name like all this sort of stuff was sort of always running through my mind and and that's what I think really makes uh, my version of Matthew very different is that not a lot of people approaches things like that you know we even have mathematical equations in the middle of Matthew like part, part I think 10 11 and 12 when, as we're easing into the two witnesses you know we take the mathematical equations we show uh, you know how a generation is 35 years by taking uh, the prophecy of Daniel and then dividing it out 490 years dividing it by 14 none of those numbers come from me it's all numbers given from the Bible so I wanted it to be a very unique uh, experience and, and plus it comes from an independent non-denominational perspective where we simply use the Bible to explain the Bible like we've already established in this conversation how uh, Paul tells us to use spiritual things against spiritual things. So that's essentially uh, why I chose to do Matthew, but also why I, I chose to do Matthew the way that I did it. I wanted to add as much information as I possibly could, uh, and I wanted, but I wanted to actually show the scriptures to show that you know I'm not making this up. You know, this is not my interpretation. This is not my perspective. Uh, per, uh, perception. This is what the Bible says, and that's basically how the the Matthew series uh, basically uh, originated. Was mainly because I couldn't figure out how to incorporate Jesus' life, Jesus' life to creation. I couldn't figure out how to do the salvation message and you know sort of cram it into creation so instead I took the two parallel messages and I made two different parallel series uh, the Matthew series and then creation through illustration it was also at this point as well I should add uh, is that when I started to do the Matthew series in the form of a slideshow presentation this was also when I decided to scrap the idea of actually drawing creation so I scrapped the title of creation through illustration and it just went from creation through illustration to simply creation uh, and so now the creation message will also be sort of like this slideshow presentation uh, and that's uh, and that's basically how uh, how I came up with part one and three of uh, of the of the atonement series but at that point conversion still has not uh, come to be yet uh, so uh, I started creation five years ago and then I started the Matthew series four years ago uh, and then uh, and then conversion sort of came to me roughly two years ago these two great um, parallel messages right so we ha now have the Matthew series which is now part one and then we have the creation series which is part three uh, so, but the only problem that I had was that there were still some pretty big topics that was not mentioned in either the gospel message or even the creation message just uh, you know some topics just for an example things like uh, baptism uh, tribulation, you know, the Antichrist and the beast system, and all these things, which are all sort of mentioned in 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 the gospel, but they're never truly, uh, you know. Well, I guess baptism is is mentioned probably the most out of all those topics. But you take something like uh, tribulation or even Antichrist or the beast system, you know, a lot of stuff about revelations. Uh, Jesus do sort of hint at, but he doesn't really go full blown. Not the same as say the prophet Daniel or even John on Pampas Islands when he gets exiled, which you can read about in Revelation chapter one. 
you know, he doesn't go into the, the same extent as what they do, uh, even though really all of John, uh, all that prophecy and stuff is really revealed by Jesus. In fact, that's actually the title of the book, Revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, but... You know, I just I just felt like from the Gospel of Matthew and then also the creation message, there just there wasn't enough in there to sort of uh, talk about those types of topics. And, and not only that, but I also sort of wanted to have a little bit of a presentation to explain, well, what happens after you are saved? So, uh, so I sort of came up with this little mini-series, which is really not a mini-series, I guess, but I sort of treated it like a mini-series, that in which I would take six topics... And I would explain it. And originally, conversion was not actually uh, called conversion. It originally was titled deception, uh, and that was basically the whole idea of that series. It was to it was used to talk about the topics that were not mentioned in the salvation message or in the creation message, and it would be used to actually bridge together these two parallel uh, messages. Uh, which both relied on each other, but this would now be the bridge to connect them, so to speak, to talk about the topics that are not mentioned in either one of them, or at least not into any big, uh, you know, extensive uh, amount, we'll say, I guess. Uh, so that's basically how conversion came about. Like I said, it was originally uh, titled Deception because it was all about trying to... Uh, use all these main theories and then just simply use the Bible to explain the Bible to hopefully try to wake us up to take us out of deception but I just felt like deception was a little bit too bold it was a little bit too aggressive and not only that uh, I just felt like conversion suited it better because it came right after the salvation message literally the end of Matthew ends with uh, Jesus resurrecting so then that becomes salvation so now you're saved so then the moment you become saved in real life then you automatically convert because now you you become born again you're now baptized with the Holy Ghost you're now saved and you have salvation uh, so I just felt like conversion suited it a lot better than deception uh, so I ended up changing the name to conversion uh, which now has six presentations uh, and they all talk about those topics you know I felt like it was very appropriate to tackle some topics uh, you know baptism uh, you know, even the salvation message itself, you know, because Matthew doesn't really go into deep detail about the significance of the salvation message. It just sort of uh, explains to us how salvation come to be. Uh, but, you know, but uh, so I just felt like in conversion, it, we, I would take that as an opportunity to talk about specific topics that are not mentioned in the other two. Uh, so things such as, uh, well, the significance of the salvation itself. So in part one of Matthew, you get the salvation message, you get the gospel, you get Jesus' life, the introduction to Jesus. So now in part two, in conversion, now you get to see uh, just how significant that uh, sacrifice was that we just read about uh, in Matthew. Uh, and then, but then you also get to, you know, we also get to take a look at, you know, baptism and the importance of baptism and all that kind of stuff. Then we take a look at tribulation. It's just all these topics that are not totally you know, uh, wrote out in great, great detail in the creation or salvation message, which essentially is how conversion came to be. It was actually the newest uh, idea that I had. And I've only thought about conversion probably the last year and a half, maybe even two years ago. Uh, I don't even know if it was two years. It was only about a year and a half. And I just figured, you know what, it will be like a bridging uh, a bridging uh, series to, to bridge the gap of creation and salvation. But uh, but it would only be a short uh, episode, and it is. There's only episode. There's only six episodes in that series, uh, and uh, and as of right now, I have. I actually have the conclusion finished. I have part five and six already completed. 
uh, but I don't have the beginning or the middle finished, not totally yet, uh, but I'm getting there, uh, and, uh, and I like good stuff. So essentially that's how conversion came to be. It was designed to tackle the topics that are not in part one or part three, uh, and it does, you know, there's two parts of conversion that really rely on revelations, but I sort of wanted to sprinkle the book of Revelation throughout all the Atonement series, which is why in Matthew you get the two witnesses. So Matthew has the two witnesses and actually also takes two episodes to set that up. So in Matthew part 10, 11, and 12 is where you get to ten or is where you get to two witnesses. Uh, yeah, so conversion is where you're going to get tribulation and the Antichrist and the beast system. And then in creation, you're actually going to sort of see the fall of man. So you're going to see uh, where, how, basically how sin begins, but then also how it sort of uh, unfolds in tribulation and all that kind of stuff. And might even get to see a little bit about the, the millennial rule, a little bit about, uh, you, know, you know, a little bit about the seals and that kind of stuff. So it, it, there's a little bit of revelations dabbled throughout all three parts, and I put them in where I thought it would make the most sense. You know, the two witnesses just fit with the Gospel of Matthew because, you know, the apostles asked Jesus about uh, Elijah. When is Elijah going to return? Uh, and one of the most common theories of the two witnesses is that it's Elijah and Enoch and all that stuff. So the two witnesses really fit, uh, really fit the Matthew series. Um, you know, uh, tribulation and the Antichrist really suits conversion. And then, of course, the, the other parts of Revelations just seem to really fit uh, creation as well uh, and all that good stuff. So three of those series combined... They all make up one massive series called the Atonement Series. And what's also very interesting about the Atonement Series is even how it's designed. Uh, I even wanted to design it very uniquely because uh, when we study our scriptures, Jesus talks about uh, someone who's just a brand new Christian, uh, just learning the scriptures and just start reading the scriptures. He says it's almost like a newborn baby, how uh, you start with milk. And then you sort of evolve into soft foods, and then eventually that becomes hard food and protein foods and meats. Uh, so the Atoma series is kind of designed like that as well. So the Matthew series is kind of like the easiest series to follow because it's simply just reading through a book, is reading through the gospel. And I'm not saying it's not complicated. There's a lot of excellent messages, a very unique perspective of Matthew, uh, but it's... Uh, but essentially, we're just reading a book and then adding to that book with other scriptures from other books. Uh, conversion is going to be harder than that. So Matthew's kind of like the milk. Uh, conversion is going to be like the soft food. Conversion is a very uh, is a much more complicated uh, series than Matthew, uh, but it's still not impossible to understand. And then creation is going to be even more detailed again, where we're going to talk about even more details. Uh, so even the way it's designed, it's sort of like Matthew is the milk. Creation is the meat, and then conversion is sort of like the soft food, and is also designed in a way as well, so you can take any study from any three parts, uh, and you can get something out of it. So there are 44 presentations, but there are 44 independent presentations, so you can watch any of them and get something out of it. You don't have to watch them in order. You can take one from any series and watch it, and you'll get something out of it. But you will get the most out of it if you do watch them in order. That's why I designed it the way it's, it's put together. That's why part one is Matthew and then part two is conversion, part three is creation. So you will get the most out of it if you watch it in order. But it is also designed uh, in which you can take one out of any series and get something out of it. Uh, and it's also worth mentioning as well, there are actually three completely different types of studies as well. 
Uh, you know, Matthew, like I said, is a read line throughout the gospel. So we read the gospel and then we add scriptures from other books as well. Conversion is a study based on topics, not a study based on books. So it's a completely different type of study as well. It's not, you know, not only is it, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's not just based upon a book, it's based upon topics. So even the way it's looked at, even the presentation itself is different. And then creation is sort of like a combination of both. It's a, it's a read through the book in the sense that we're reading chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis, which is where the creation message is. But then each one of those days, so on day 1 and on day 2, we also get something very different because... Um, we have a parallel study in that as well, uh, which is very unique to itself. So, you know, just for an example, on day two of creation, uh, God creates the firmament. So the first half of part two of creation, we look at the firmament. But then on the second half, then we'll take a look at Abraham's bosom and hell because that was separated by a gulf. So it has nothing to do with the creation message, but it does have that similarity, whereas on day two, God separates heaven and earth, whereas also uh, uh, Abraham's bosom is separated from hell with the gulf. So, you know, we study Abraham's bosom on day two of, or part two of creation, if that makes sense. So creation is kind of like a combination of Matthew and conversion combined. So Matthew is a straight read through to, through a book. Conversion is a straight is a straight study based on a specific topic, not a book. Creation is both. It's a straight through uh, study of the book, but also uh, has a parallel message, which is only about a topic. So it's like a combination. So not only are they, uh, you know, three series that come together that continually gets a little more complex, but they're also three completely different types of studies as well, which is kind of hard for me to explain until you actually see them. Uh, they're also three completely different types of studies, and they're three, and they do seem to get a little more complicated uh, as it goes. Just like Jesus says, you start with the milk, and then you go to soft food, and then you go to hard food. So it's just little details like that that I really wanted to add in there with the uh, with the atonement series as a whole to make it even more you know uh, captivating I guess if that's the right word to use uh, to, to really make make it even more immersive I guess to really make people want to dive into it because not only are you uh, you know not only are you getting a free very unique uh, uh, presentation uh, but you're also getting a very different type of presentation each time and it, it sort of uh, takes you on this awesome journey which begins with chapter one of uh, uh, Matthew, which is actually the birth of Christ, and just like we follow Jesus's life on a journey, well, then when we get to part two conversion, then it's like a, a new journey because now you're carrying on. You're going from uh, knowing Jesus to now being saved yourself, and now you're learning. Okay, what is my responsibility, and how? Where do we go from here after we are saved? Plus, also learning a bunch of information, and then we go on another journey again, and then we see, uh, you know, uh, the creation message, and it's just so much fun, and I think it's going to be very cool. And, uh, and I just, you know, I, I still recommend you watch it, uh, the Atonement series in order, but it is designed where you don't have to. You can just pick out one and watch it. And I think it's a lot of fun once you get to see the whole thing as a whole. It's really, is, and, and I had a lot of fun putting it together. Uh, and it's, it, it's, it's 100%, it is the presentation that I wish I had when I was uh, very, very new and, uh, and all that stuff. So I just love how it's put together. And not only that, uh, but when we go back to the, uh, it's also very similar. I like to compare it to sort of like the Passover and also to the cross and even to the Sabbath for that matter because Sabbath is the commandment that has creation in it. And when you look at all three parts of 
the atonement series, it all represents, uh, you know, it represents the Passover, it represents the Sabbath, and it also represents uh, the crucifixion, uh, Jesus' sacrifice, which is very unique because conversion is that bridge between the two uh, parallel messages. And if you connect that bridge at the top, it actually makes a door frame. Uh, and, of course, that's exactly what the Passover was. They would put the blood on the three parts of the door frame because each part of the door frame you know, was very symbolic and represented something. For one, the door frame had three sides, which is, represents a trinity. You know, God is a trinity, but we also are a form of a trinity, and we're made in his image. You know, God has the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We have a soul, spirit, and flesh. So, you know, he is a trinity, and we are a trinity, and the Passover has uh, the three sides, which also represents the trinity, uh, you know, and, and, is, and is covered in the blood. So you can say the relationship between God and man uh, you know, man gets to go to God uh, underneath the blood. So you can see how that is very symbolic with the Passover. Uh, you know, how they would put the blood on each part. So you have God and man, which is separated, but they come together under the blood atonement. At that point in time, of the uh, they're connected from the blood of like the sacrificial system, but also still through faith. You had to believe in that blood and had to believe that that blood would cover your sins. It was not the remission of sins. It, it only covered your sin. Uh, but then when you come together, uh, uh, but then when man and God comes together in the form of Jesus, because Jesus is both God and man, so you can now take those two parallel lines, which make up the two sides, and you can combine them because Jesus was both God and man. But he was God that came down from heaven. So you take the top panel and lower it. And what do you get? Once again, you get three bloodstains in the form of the crucifixion, the two hands and the two arms. And, and Jesus literally becomes the embodiment, literally the physical adaptation of the Passover, becoming the sacrificial uh, lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. And that is literally how we get to go uh, to heaven now is by believing in that and uh and he literally takes that upon himself. Uh, so uh, the atonement series is, is is totally focused on Jesus, who resembles the Passover, and also sort of and the creation message part three represents uh, represents the Sabbath really. Uh, so it's just even how the atonement series was constructed is uh, very symbolic to Jesus. Is completely focused on Jesus and uh, and it's just a beautiful message which is independent by the way and non-denominational which even that in itself is very unique and uh, and we really do uh, use the Bible to explain the Bible uh, that was my golden rule with doing the atonement series if I cannot prove it then I simply do not talk about it blast uh, having this conversation and talking about the origins of the Atoma series. Uh, this will be the one and only conversation that I ever have about this. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I guess if I'm going to end the conversation, I guess we should end it on a high note. So uh, let me think. Well, I guess one very important thing to remember is uh, always remember heaven cannot be achieved. It can only be received. Uh, and I think that's very important to remember because it's sometimes easy to get swept away and it's very easy to always remember Jesus as being a judge uh, but it's also very important to remember that he is also the hero he is also the savior 
And that's what the whole purpose of the gospel is. It is the message of good news. It is the message of hope. It is not the message of fear or anxiety. Although you should fear the Lord in the sense that you shouldn't be afraid of Him, but you should be afraid of what He can do. Uh, but definitely don't be afraid of Him. Uh, you know, you know, your sin is not greater than His blood. So, you know, not only do we have to believe in Jesus, but we also need to trust in Jesus and trust that He will deliver you. Uh, so it's very important that you remember uh, you can do all the works in the world, uh, but you're never going to be worthy enough of heaven. Uh, and that's why Jesus refers to it as a gift. You know, the, the thing is about a gift, the greatest thing about a gift is that you don't need to work to save up the money uh, to buy the gift. You don't need to pick out the gift. You don't need to actually physically go to purchase the gift. You don't need to rack the gift. You don't even need to present the gift. You simply receive the gift. The other person does all the work. And that is exactly what the salvation message is. Jesus has come here and done all the work and has lived a life that you could never live. Uh, and where you fall and fail, and believe me, you will fall and you will fail, and you will continue to fall and fail for the rest of your life, just like all of us, we all continue to fall and fail, but where we fail, Jesus picks up the slack, and where we don't fail, and in the areas that we succeed, he rewards us for that. So uh, it's very important to remember that uh, we are all the same, and we are all equal, and if you're struggling, and you have a hard time with, uh, with your path with Jesus, then guess what? Welcome to the family, because we all do, and none of us are perfect, and that's the whole point of Jesus is because we are not perfect but he is and we put his per uh, perfectness his perfection and we put that on our account so that when we face judgment God will not see us he will see his son and Jesus will be an advocate to take our place so we don't have to face the second death which is why it's important that we although yes we fear the Lord in a respectful manner it's also important that we trust him and own what we have uh, because that really, that is the only way that we can overcome fear and, 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 and really truly repent is by acknowledging what we have and try our best to do better. But it's also very important to remember as well that not everybody is going to have an atonement series. So it's also important that not only are we equal in sin, but we are also equal in Christ. So don't think that because someone like me has the atonement series and that means that I'm greater than you or that I'm going to receive more than you because that is simply not biblical because Jesus needs... Uh, people to do all things and maybe your purpose in life might not be to have an atonement series but maybe your purpose is to simply say please and thank you at the cashier uh, you know maybe your your job is uh, simply to sit down next to somebody uh, you know maybe who has a terminal illness and that's their last you know you're spending their last few moments with them maybe that maybe that's your purpose you know maybe maybe uh, somebody else's purpose is just simply to be uh, compassionate or to have patience and all these things so it's very important that the little things are equally if not more important to other things such as like the atonement series you know so I just want to make that very clear that even the little things like holding the door for somebody or saying please and thank you all those things glorify God and we are all on the same team uh, we are you know we are not against each other we are all on the same team and remember your job is not to be like somebody else you should not be inspired by somebody else. You should not try to be like somebody else. You should only try to be like Christ. 
He is the standard. So don't try to be like a fellow Christian. Instead, try to be like Christ. And every single day, repent a little bit more. Uh, and uh, and also, I would also like to say too, is that whether you're a brand new Christian or even uh, you've been saved maybe for a very long time, I would also say whenever you're reading, this, reading or studying the scriptures, it's very important to turn off your mind and don't rely on your mind because your mind focuses on the physical things. Your mind is oftentimes what will cause temptations, desires, and, and all these things. Uh, so turn off your mind when you're studying the scriptures and reading the scriptures and instead open your heart and trust your feelings. There's a reason why we have a, a piece of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's because it guides us. It will help you. Trust your feeling. You'll oftentimes hear people say, well, I had a bad feeling about this or I have a gut feeling about this. It's okay to trust your feelings because that's the whole point. You know, the point of your feelings is to uh, is that you will be guided by your feelings sometimes. It could be the Holy Spirit guiding you and whatnot. So it's very important to rely more on your heart more so than your mind and trust your feelings but also have control of your feelings don't let your your feelings overrun you either if you're having negative feelings like hate or pain or you know suffering uh, don't take that out on other people uh, you know because that's going to come as well that's going to be a form of temptation as well so just just remember you know we're all in the same we're all on the same team we're all in the same struggles and we're all failing but at the same time, where we fail, Jesus will pick up the slack and remember that His blood is greater than your sin. And don't try to be like somebody else. Instead, focus on Jesus and try to be more like Christ. But don't try to be like another sinner because sin will fail in the end. And, uh, and pretty well... And that's pretty well all I got for you. I hope you enjoyed listening to this very long conversation about the origin of the Atonement series. And uh, thank you very much for watching if you did watch uh, or listen to uh, the audio version of the podcast. And, uh, and beyond that, thank you guys so much for all your love and support. And uh, Keep an eye on the website as well because I am uh, releasing new parts of the Matthew series each and every day or trying to do it every day uh, which because I, I used to uh, advertise it and promote it on all my social medias, but I'm not now. I'm just simply releasing all the atonement series uh, uh, on on the website and then I'm going to release it to uh, the social media platform so just keep an eye on the website you might go on there tomorrow and there might be a new part there uh, right now I have up to part 25 on there and I'm hoping tomorrow I have 26 and then the next day hopefully 27 uh, but I'm not going to actually be advertising it until I actually have it all uploaded at least all of Matthew I mean as the next uh, parts two and three come I will uh, promote those as they are released uh, but Matthew, I'm just going to finish now and get that totally on the website. And then I will release it on the social media platforms. And that's all I got for you guys. I love you all. Remember, God loves you more. God bless and amen.